morning, friends. Merry Christmas, almost Happy New Year. Um, it's been a fantastic 2023 here for this community of, of people. Um, we were looking back as a staff and we were like, man, just think about all the great things that God has done in our midst. And so we started uh, making a list and we had like 12 things and then it kept growing and growing and growing. And so uh, we thought it would be fun to ask you all, like, what are the top three memories of 2023? So we narrowed it down to 18 and we put it out on social media and we let you all cast your votes. And so this morning, I'm very excited to reveal to you the top three memories of 2023. The first one uh, was one that might have taken a few years off the life of our children and youth minister, um, but um, it was a wonderful day when it all came together. Uh, we had a youth worship takeover day where our youth and children did everything from, um, from make the announcements to greeting at the doors to leading us in a song of worship, and they did such a tremendous job. And so because of that, it is our number three. Let's take a look. Like again sometime. We're taking a little breath, uh, but they're going to be doing that again for us. Um, the number two is focused on a person that we added to our staff. Back in January, we were excited to get to add a children's minister that was focused just here at the Greenwood campus. Um, it's the first time that we've kind of structured things that way, um, and it has been amazing to have Megan Johnston be a part of our team and not only um, just like invest in the lives of our kids, but invest in the lives of all of us. And so our number two top memory of 2023 is bringing Jay Megan Johnson on. The babies that were in that video, they have grown a lot <laughs> since May. My goodness. Uh, we're so grateful for MJ. All right. 
So we're down to number one. We have any guesses in the room. What is the top memory? You don't get to guess. You were in the last service, Lincoln. All right. Anybody want to guess? Number one. Pie in the face was an epic day. Uh, for those of you who aren't here, our kids had a kids had a contest to see like who could raise the most money for a member of our staff. Um, and we, when you won, you lost. You got pied in the face was essentially how that happened. And so in the end, we had a four-way tie. Pastor Adam, I, Brittany, and MJ all got pied, and it was something. Um, but that was not our top moment of 2023. That was a good guess. It was Easter returning to our campuses. Yes, thank you. All right, yeah. I mean, I thought it might be, um, you know, we, we were having this service. We were trying to uh, commission our new Stephen ministers, and we brought all of our kids up to share in that holy moment. And um, as I'm ch- trying to get that started, I think Bree um, asked first if, if uh, Tammy's in here. Bree asked first, like, can I get some communion? Because she'd missed. I'm like, sure. And I start to serve her communion. And then um, our buddy Jude, he goes, you got any more sauce? <laughs> Asking for more juice. That was one of my favorite moments of this past year. Um, another of my favorite moments this past year was we've added live worship hosts um, to our, our 1030 service. So it's not just um, the videos are great, but it's so much fun to have different people up here leading us, um, giving us sports updates at times. Um, um, I'm, I'm really sad. Actually, it's not Evans Day. I, I think that we should call him Texas Ken. He's like the Texas Ken doll. He's got even the belt buckle and the uh, glasses and uh, <laughs> um, and then we've had like some great jokes from Andrea and I mean is he in here Eric you you might have made the biggest joke of the year um, and then Courtney what, what I mean we, we might get <laughs> what, what did you say? I can't steal somebody else's joke. Um, and then Courtney, you know, we never know. Like, we might get to hear about the animals. We might uh, get some other fantastic update from you. Last time we had Michelle for the first time, and Michelle told us about a crush when she was 14 years old on a little boy with a mullet. I mean, like, you can't get this stuff from a video that's already canned, right? So those are some of my favorites. Uh, the opening of the Fellowship House, that was a great memory. But when we asked you all, what was your favorite moment from this past year? Um, it was unanimous. I mean, like it was very clear winner um, that we got to come back and have our worship services here at the Greenwood campus. Uh, whenever the pandemic hit, we started worshiping all together over at the ballpark, which was awesome in its own way. But there's something about being back here at home. And um, as we came back here to home, we introduced a brand new tradition that we all got to share together, and that was flowering the cross. And so let's take a look together. At our yes, he died
So I did know when I put together those pictures that my son was like swinging on the door in that last picture until I saw it on the big screen this morning. So there's a nice bonus. If you ever feel like your child's too out of control here at church mm-hmm. and that we're going to judge you, Not just possible. remember that picture, all right? Um, as we head into the new year, um, we might be thinking about, you know, it's just like this natural break in time where we, we start to think about like, what do I want my life to look like? What might I want to add or take away? And, um, and so this past week as I've been on a little bit of break, I've had a chance to just like read and reflect and, um, everything that I've read and everything that's kind of been put before me, podcast, everything. It had this central theme that kept coming up again and again and again. And it was um, the power of community um, as it relates to the quality of our lives. Um, We think that lots of different things will make us happy, right? But when it really comes down to it, um, it, what really determines our happiness is the types of relationships that we're cultivating in our lives. Um, There's a study that that Harvard has done, it's been going on for like six decades, and they followed these same people across all this time. Um, and they they looked at all the different things. Is it success? Is it, um, is it uh, money? Is it um, stuff? Is it um, achievements that, that really makes people feel like their lives are enriched and that gives them longevity in life? Um, and what they found again and again is that, no, it's none of that. It's the people that you have in your life that care for you and that you care about. And so um, we want to be a community where you feel cared for and where you're caring for others, where you have those types of relationships that enrich your life. And so I just want to share a few ways that you can lean into that, that you can help cultivate those relationships in the year ahead. Uh, One way to do that is next Saturday, we are going to slide into the square um, and the dates times behind me or that you've seen they're wrong because I told Molly wrong I think I told everybody wrong so everybody just get out your pen and you can mark it out on your order of worship we're going to go ice skating at 2 p.m. downtown and then at 3:30 we're going to go to the Capitol and we're going to watch a movie together um, we're going to watch Ice Age which as an adult I enjoy just as much as my children uh, but we hope everyone will come out just to spend some time having fun together um, Two o'clock ice skating, three thirty movie, and if you're wanting to go to the Western game, that should get you out of the movie just in time to do that. Because I've heard that that's important to some folks in this room. Um, but I'd encourage you, maybe maybe you find a friend and you go on to that ball game too. Um, but that's just a chance to spend time together. Another fun way to spend time together in the year ahead around something you might be interested in um, is if you've had something stirring inside of you and you're like, this just needs to be written, but you're not sure how to get started or how to keep going or how to wrap it up, um, the power of community comes to play in that as well. And so our friend, Courtney Stevens, waved everybody, Courtney. Courtney is a published author. Um, she's the executive director of the library here in town. Um, She knows something about writing whatever you want to write. Write something is what we're calling this event. Um, On the second Monday of every month, we will be meeting here at the Fellowship House, um, and Courtney will be giving instruction for an hour, and then there'll be like an hour for you to just sit and write in community with others. You don't have to stay to write if you don't want to, but there's something to that. There's something to having a time and a place to sit down and to write. So it's at 6... And at 6 o'clock, and then uh, at 7 o'clock is when we'll write. Fiction, nonfiction. 
It can be anything. Me and Lincoln are coming. Facebook posts. There you go. Me and Lincoln are both signed up. Uh, we're excited. We hope to see you guys there. And then um, lastly, um, I have been sending emails about this. You might have seen it on social media. Um, but we've been inviting you to pray through the year together using this tool. Um, this from Every Moment Holy, it's a prayer journal. And essentially what it does is each week it gives you um, a couple scriptures, it gives you a prayer to pray, and then reflection questions um, to help you reflect, and then a place for you to record a prayer of your own. You don't have to do that all at once. You can like pace yourself through the week. But I think it's just a beautiful way for us as a church to be praying the same prayers together, to kind of be praying with one heart. Um, if you're interested in jumping in and doing this, um, um, on social media today, I reposted the link and I'll send it out in an email again. Um, but let me lead you in a prayer, the prayer that is actually for this first week as we continue to worship together. God, every sphere of life and creation is yours and all our threads of the same bright weave, our goings out and our comings in, our fellowship and our loneliness, our youth and our old age, our passions and our vocations, our chores and our entertainments. You are equally present in our failures and in our successes, in our sleep and in our wakeful hours, in our tears and in our laughter, in our births, in our lives, and even in the hours of our deaths. You are ever present with us. You are here. You are with me every moment. Every moment is holy. Amen. I'm Wendell. I'm the Pathway Pastor here at Broadway. We meet Sunday night, 6 o'clock here. And um, for the people who come to Pathway, I said this in the first service, I'll say it again. Um, much of what I say today will be reviewed, and so you're going to be like, we've heard all this, Wendell. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm going to introduce an idea this morning that... Um, uh, it's pro probably going to be a, a first time that some of us have ever thought about it. And I would assume, I would guess that there'd be some who we even have some pushback. Uh, I anticipated at the first service and sure enough, I got some, which was fine. I, it was cool. Um, we had a nice discussion about it. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a uh, new year's. We just got a matter of hours before we're done with 2023, put a big fat period at the end. How many are going to put an exclamation point? How many are going to put a question mark? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's, it's the end of the year and we start a new one. And with the new year, inevitably, we have the word New Year's. No. Pinto beans. No. You got it right. Yeah, black eyed peas. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Resolutions. That's what we always talk about. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's not fair to do that. But... I'm, I'm exaggerating this a bit. I, I confess that. But a lot of times what we're doing when we make resolu resolutions, resolutions is we're saying, I'm not nearly satisfied with the way last year played out, with how I performed, how I did, how I shaped up last year. So with this new year, I'm going to shoot for something closer to perfect. I'm really going to make perfection I know I'm not going to reach it, but I'm going to make it my goal, and I'm going to try to hit it. Well, in Pathway for the past, I don't know, three or four months, I don't know how long it's been. I don't keep track. We've been exploring this idea of perfection. 
And we've been doing it over and over. And every Monday I write a blog on my Facebook uh, page and it's on the Pathway page. And for the last three or four months, it's just been about perfection. And, and so I've come up with a, a $200 word, perfectionism. You're not as impressed as I hoped you would be. If I said it, yeah, there you go. If I said it more profoundly, perfectionism, something like that. Anyway, and, and so that, you know, this is what we're talking about this morning. And so some of this stuff's going to be brand new. Like I've never seen it that way, never talked about it that way, never thought about it that way. But just bear with us, you know, and, and, and let's see where this goes. So anyway, perfectionism, I think, is kind of at the core of our first sin in the big story, what we call original sin back there in the Garden of Eden. And I grew up thinking it was rebellion or arrogance or whatever that was the cause of that sin. But I really think it was the pursuit of perfection. And we're going to go back and explore that uh, story in just a minute. But before we do that, uh, let's just talk about who we are and, and where we come from. We're, we live in Western culture. And it's failure, failure to shoot for average, right? To say it's good enough is basically to admit failure. You have, you have to swing for the fences. You have to be striving for perfect. Per, per, I can't say that perfectly. You have to be striving for perfection, swinging for the fences 24-7, or you're considered a failure. In school, when I was going to school, which was a long time ago, a C was a fairly decent grade. Now to get a C, it's terrible, terrible. To get an A is not good enough. You want an A plus, and if they're extra bonus points, go for them, and if, you know, go higher all the time. Because average is terrible. What's his name, Barkley? Terrible. That's terrible. Um, I do a pretty good Barkley, don't I? Um, but the, I, I'll just tell you, the first time I was introduced to this whole idea was, was uh, Wayne Hunter, former pastor here. Uh, uh, Melinda's husband. We were disc golfing, I think. And he started talking about this, and he said, you know, I've, I've become good with being average. That went all over me. It just crawled me. I thought, what? What did you just say? No, we're the average? And at, at first, it was like I, I didn't buy it. I disagreed. I pushed back hard. But the more he unpacked it, the more I thought, oh, I see where you're coming from. I understand that. So that was, the, that was years ago that that I had my initial thinking about this whole idea. And here lately, it's just, we've been exploring it and unpacking. So let's just dig into it. Let's start with a story of, that Jesus told about, we call it the prodigal son, but that is a bad label for that story. The story should be called the good father who had two sons. Because the, the focus, we've made the focus on the rebellious son who come, leaves and comes back home. But the focus should be on the good father who loved his two sons like no father, like no parent has ever loved their children. You know, and in the story, it's, it's obvious that Jesus is making the father the, the representative of God. So this is a really good, good, rich, deep love. Good emphasis, good love. 
So Young Sun says, you know, and I don't know how this came about in his mind. He, one day he, he's walking along and he says, you know, I think I could love myself better than my dad loves me. Mind you, he had a really good love with his dad, but I think I can improve on that. So can you give me, can I dip into my inheritance and I'm going to go out and buy myself a better love than yours? And so he went out and said, whatever I want, I'm going to buy. No wish will be denied. And I'm going to create a perfect life for myself. I'm going to shoot for perfection. I got a wallet full of cash that says I can do it. So he goes out and he spends all this money and he's having this good time buying himself fun and buying himself whatever he wants and no nothing is deprived. Boy, this is good. It's I'm getting close to perfect. And then he ran out of money and he winds up in a pig pen and he's looking over at the slop and he's drooling just a little bit. And he's thinking, what went wrong here? So he decides to go back to dad. Well, talk about that in a minute. Then you got the other son. Well, no, you need to talk about it now. He goes home to dad and says, and, and says, I'll work for you. And dad says, no, you weren't going to throw a party, which is what I wanted to do with you all along. And so then older son finds out about the party and he throws a fit because he says, I've been slaving for you for years. What do I get? Dad says, I, I we could have partied anytime you wanted. What's with the older son? The older son was like, the younger son said, I can, I can buy myself a better love. The older son says to himself, I can make myself more lovable. I can earn the father's love. He already had it, but he said, I can earn the father's love. So he goes out there and just busts himself down, trying to earn this love that's already his. So they're both dissatisfied with really good love. They want to improve on it some way. One tries to buy it, the other tries to earn it. And it doesn't work either way. That's the first story. I want to tell you two others. Then we go out in the wilderness where the children of Israel are between slavery in Egypt. I mean, centuries of slavery in Egypt and the land of promise. And they're out here in the wilderness. And they, they have a God who lives right there in camp. He's in a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. Any morning you wake up, you just throw back the tent flap and look, God's right here. I mean, can you imagine going and opening your front door? God's right there. He's in my front yard. I can see him right there. So this God partners with Moses and, and goes to Egypt where Pharaoh is seen as a God, literally. And through a series of plagues, God basically shrinks Pharaoh down to the size of a toad. And it's like, get them out of here. Get them out of here. So they leave. So he rescues them from a tyrant, slave master. They leave they're camped out on beside the Red Sea. Here comes the armies. And God says, not a problem. Parts the sea. There they go. Um, if you read the story at the end of it, it says they had sho shoes and clothing that didn't wear out. That's a guarantee right there that you can put on. You, you can wear these shoes like forever and they won't wear out. Um, water from a rock. Uh, protection against enemies. So that protection, provision, presence, God's presence. And, and, and part of the provision was like every morning they'd go outside and they'd just pick up their food. They didn't have to go hunt it. They didn't have to grow it. They'd just go pick it up and it was food that sustained them. And you look at that and you think, yeah, but they're living in the wilderness. But where did they come from? And, and compared to where they came from, life was good. God was there. God was providing God was protecting. And they said, this isn't good enough. We don't like this. We want to go back 
to Egypt where we could have spices. Like God was giving them cupcakes and they said, we want sprinkles. We want to go back to Egypt where we get sprinkles on our cupcakes. You have to think of how childish, how juvenile, but that's what they did. So good is not good enough. We want to improve. We're dissatisfied with good. We want better. Now go to the, the garden, the original story, and you've got God who, I, I don't care whether you want to say it's a, a six 24-hour days or six 2,000-hour days. I don't care what you want to say. That's not important. But after each stopping point in creation, God literally goes on record. He says it out loud. It's good. It's good. I've always assumed that Eden and creation were perfect. But then you go back in the story and start looking at, and you can't find that word. It's not there. There's no idea of perfect. It's just good. And, and not only is it good, is that God declares it good day after day after day. And when he gets to the end of it, when he's finally finished, he says, this is very good. Yeah. And so then sometime, and here again, you interpret it however you want to, Satan, the devil, the dark side, uh, a rogue idea. I don't, I don't care what it is. But anyway, the dark side comes along and says, it says, you know what? Well, first of all, it, he, uh, the dark side introduces doubt and, and says, did he really tell you you couldn't eat of any of the fruit? Which was a lie, but the seed of doubt was already planted. And so it's like, no, 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 we can eat of all the fruit except that one. But the seed was already there of doubt. Is he holding out on me? Is he the God I thought he was? You know, we had a good time walking with him every day in the garden. This has been a really good life, but what's he holding out on me? What could this be better? And then the dark side says, you know, he, he ups the ante a little bit. He, he says, you know what? There's stuff he knows that he's not sharing with you. You eat that fruit and you'll know stuff he knows. You'll be like him. And so they saw this as some sort of massive upgrade. Wow, we can, we can go from being good to, to being closer to perfect. And so they went for it. Boom. And what's interesting is this grab for perfection, this pursuit of perfection instantly produced fear, shame, blame, Think about how the story plays out. They hide in fear, they cover themselves in shame, and they start blaming each other. This woman you gave me. In other words, it's your fault, God. You're, you're the one. If you hadn't given her to me, we wouldn't have. See what I'm saying? It's fear, shame, blame. And then just one generation in, you got murder. One brother murdering another. So how's that working for you? You know, you're grabbing for perfection, and this is what you get instead. So there are lots of other stories that, that we could talk about from the big story of Scripture that, sh that kind of show. I never looked at it that way before, but when you do, it's like, oh, my goodness. This, this perfection thing, where did it come from? I, th I think, and this was the pushback at the first service, but what do you do with when Jesus told his disciples, be perfect as your heavenly Father and is perfect? Check that out. Check that story out. Check the whole story out. It's all about relationships and love. Perfection is in love, not in performance, not in self-improvement, not in reaching some goal or dream. It's in love and relationships. 
So we've taken that and we've, we've translated that into, I need to be a better person in my performance, in my behavior, in my theology, in everything I do, I've got to be a better person. And, it, and, and how's that working? So I want to talk about four things before we go real quick, uh, kind of lessons we can learn and really more of something, because I, I, I already know, I realize this is new for a lot of us to think about. So I want to give us four things to kind of chew on, you know, because we got the stories from the big, you know, the big story of scripture, we got the stories. So what, what might we learn? So these are four things I think we can learn. Michelle Bell just went for a pen. I saw it. She's taking notes on this. So there are going to be four, Michelle, count them. So I think the first thing we need to see in these four or three stories is that perfection was, is never anything God is aimed for. In creation, he wasn't aiming for perfection. God was, and in, in, in outside of what Jesus said about being perfect, which is about love, God has never said you have to do this perfectly. You have to be a perfect human. You got to get my law perfect. You got to get your theology perfect. You got to get your behavior perfect. It's not in there. God never shot for it and he never expects it out of his people. So why am I pursuing it? It's not a priority with God. Why is it a priority with me? That's the first thing I think we need to see. The second thing I think in these three stories, it really comes out is that our, our pursuit of perfection always leads us away from God. Think about it. The two sons, one of them literally left home in pursuit of perfection. The other one physically stayed there, but in his heart and mind, left his dad, left the closeness of that relationship. Out in the wilderness, we want to leave you here in the camp and go back to Egypt where we can get sprinkles. Pursuit of perfection leads me away from God. In the story of creation, it's so obvious. Daily walks with the Father. They moved away from that and hid behind foliage from him. Our pursuit of perfection ultimately leads us away from God. The third thing is that my pursuit of perfection is about me, myself, and I. Perfect, when I really dig into perfecting myself, I become consumed with my life, how I look, how I feel, how much I have. How much do you like me? Are you accepting me? Do I fit in? Do I feel right? It's all about me. My, how many plaques do I have on the wall? How high up on the ladder, the corporate ladder have I climbed? It's all about me. Perfectionism is always a solo sport. The pursuit of goodness is a team sport. That's what I love about Greenwood and about Broadway is that we don't pursue perfection. We pursue goodness. And how do we do that? Collectively. I've been in churches, seen it over and over, where you've got two or three people in the church that says the right way, the perfect way to do it is this way, and this is the way we're going to do it. And it becomes a solo sport and is my way or the highway. And it's not, there's no goodwill and no love and goodness in the church because we've got several people who've defined perfection and we collectively have to get in line and go with that. Thank God that's not what we have here. I've, I've been in so many meetings, like think tank meetings and, and just groups of people here. 
And somebody will come up with an idea in a, in a perfection church. The first person who comes up with an idea says it in a strong enough way that everybody's scared to go against them. So they all get in line and go whether they like it or not. Here, the first person comes up with the idea knows this is just a general blueprint. It's up for discussion. And so we talk about it. And by the time you leave the room, it's completely different than the way it started. Why? Because we've all contributed to goodness. We're not shooting for perfection. Anyway, that was a rabbit trail. This, we're ready for four, Michelle. Yeah, this is four. So here's the last one. And this, this is uh, one that's really got me thinking. I spent most of my life trying to prove something to my father. Even after he passed away, I tried to prove something that I was worth something. And so my life was consumed with trying to perfect myself. And I was a pastor of three different churches, one in Lexington, two in Tennessee. And in every case, I wanted to be the consummate pastor. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted my churches to reflect me and to follow my dream and my idea. I shudder to think of the collateral damage that I caused. Wow, God help the people that I left behind. But I helped some, I did. But I did a lot of damage too. And every church I pastored grew numerically. And so usually somebody who's pursuing this kind of thing on the outside looks like they're expanding. They have more money, they have more people, they have more success, they have more fame, they have, you know... I can attest firsthand that as that is happening, you are shrinking on the inside. You are becoming a smaller, smaller person. If you've watched The Lord of the Rings, you go from a fuzzy-footed, happy little hobbit to Gollum. Yeah, my precious, living in the cave. He wanted power, and he wanted more power and more perfect power, and it shrunk him down to that. That's a pretty graphic picture. But our pursuit of perfection ultimately shrinks us on the inside. We become smaller people. So if, if you're pushing back against this in your mind, that's fine. I, 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 you have the freedom and the liberty and my blessing in doing that. But if you're kind of like, oh, my goodness, I've never really looked at this. Um, in Pathway... We've kind of collectively admitted that we're all perfection addicts. We're addicted to perfection. And so I, it, I don't know there's a cure for it, but I think every week we remind ourselves, every week we remind ourselves that we're prone this way and we don't want to go that way. So no matter what we talk about, Every Sunday night, no matter what we talk about, at the end of the session together, we stand up and join hands in what we like to call a circle, but it is not a perfect circle. It is trapezoidal and rectangular, and it, it never it shapes up more like an amoeba than a, a circle. But we get together and we hold hands and we say the serenity prayer. And the serenity prayer is a lot longer than what most of us think. It's got a lot in it. And it's a, it's a healthy, good reminder of who we are and what, what we're saying out loud to each other and what we're saying out loud to God that we want our life to look like. Reasonably happy, not supremely happy. 
So I'm inviting us to say this together. You're going to have to say it with your eyes open. Um, is it on the back screens? Because I'm, yeah, there we go. All right. Going to have to say it with your eyes open. And we're going to, if you're used to saying it in pathway, you're used to just ticking right along. We're going to slow it way down so that we have a chance to think about each sentence that we say. Okay? Can we say it together? Let's, let's say it together. Okay. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. And then we always say, keep coming back. God loves you. Thank you so much.